Hello and welcome to Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. What an exciting episode we have today. Guess who's back? Gary the Lawyer. And on this visit, Gary is talking to Dr. Neil Park, Director of Clinical Affairs here at Glidewell Laboratories. This dynamic duo is discussing an important topic. We're talking about standard of care. These industry standards ensure the highest level of safety for patients and professional satisfaction. Let's go listen in on this critical conversation. Thank you, Megan. Well, we do a great deal of training and education here at Glidewell, aimed at helping doctors successfully adopt new technologies that will better serve their patients and help them run their practices efficiently and profitably. And a question that comes up very frequently in the context of new technology is the concept of the standard of care. And I've heard speakers from the podium christen a new technology as the standard of care, and I've always understood that standard of care was a legal, not a medical concept. And that's why I've brought in our legal expert, Gary Pritchard, to discuss the legal implications of the concept of standard of care and how it can or should influence how we practice dentistry. Thanks for joining us, Gary. Thank you for having me, Dr. Parham. Absolutely. So can you define for our listeners what is the legal definition of standard of care? The standard of care is that degree of care below which a medical professional, a dentist, should not fall when treating a patient. Otherwise, he would be determined to be negligent in the treatment of that patient. Okay, so it's, so it's a, a certain level of care right and below which below if he practices below that standard of care then he would be automatically be determined to be negligent okay well that's that's pretty serious it's, stuff. it's very serious it's pretty serious stuff no you're right to be concerned and, and professionals all over and this goes for malpractice cases with um, not just doctors and dentists but also legal malpractice it's that a degree of care that a professional shouldn't fall below okay otherwise he commits malpractice so it's so one should not use that term lightly Good point, good point. So it's a, it's a legal term and it really is not a, a medical or a dental type term. So obviously, next question, who determines what is the standard of care? Well, ultimately, a jury is going to determine what the standard of care is, but there's going to be testimony given at trial uh, by experts in the field that will, uh, that will try to influence that jury's uh, decision on, on what the standard of care is. So it has to be given by an expert. I think it might be instructional to read the definition of, that would be handed out to the juror by the judge in a, mal, in a, a dental malpractice case. Okay, but well before you go on, so, so standard of care, it sounds like it's a moving target. No, it, it is. It's definitely a moving target, right? It's, and it's whatever the jury believes to be the standard of care okay. based on the testimony and the evidence given at trial. Okay, but our, our doctors, we don't have a jury in our office. That's right. Right. So, so, so somehow we have to figure out what that is, right? So, so go ahead and, and, and explain you know, how this works in a trial, but we're going to have to peel back oh, yeah. and figure out how, how we're going to determine what that standard of care yeah. is when we... I know, exactly. Yeah. And, and keeping it moving target um, <laughs> makes more money for doctors, right? It makes more money no, for lawyers. That's The only group that may be less popular than dentists. Right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so let me read you the instruction that the judge will give to the jury. And it says, a dentist is negligent if he or she fails to use the level of skill, knowledge, and care in the diagnosis and treatment that other reasonably careful dentists would use in the same or similar circumstances. 
And this level of skill, knowledge, and care is sometimes referred to as a standard of care. Okay, so, so we, we said that it's a moving target. It, that definition can change from courtroom to courtroom, apparently. Or the, or, or the I mean, there, you'll have an expert in the courtroom okay. talking about what constitutes the standard of care. So let's say the, the plaintiff's expert could say one thing is a standard of care, and the defense expert could say that something else is the standard oh, the, of care. The defense expert better say that something else is the, is the standard <laughs> okay. of care. So Correct. what kind of information would an expert cite as he tries to prove that his position is the correct one as, as far as what is standard of care? Well, um, learned treatises would be one thing they would look at. Learned Peer- treatises. Mm-hmm. Now, do I subscribe to that? I don't really, I don't think I have the journal of learned treatises coming <laughs> that, to my office. That's, a legal, that's another legal term. Like, uh, you're going to have peer-reviewed medical uh, journals. Okay, right? so peer-reviewed journals. Right. And there may be articles in there about what, there may be, there may be um, uh, Dental Standards Practices Act that uh, may, may tell you what what the standard of care well, is. Well, I think that's a, that's another issue, right? So your state dental practice act may have some specific things that say things have to be done a certain way. So, for example, you have to uh, to keep certain records, you have to note certain things in your in your record and that may be part of the dental practice act and that's sort of de facto standard right. of care, right? right? A violation of law would be a, san- a standard of care. Right. Sure. Okay. So that yeah, there's that that category that is pretty black and white. But it's that other one that's, uh, that's in the gray area that I think our, our, our friends need help with. That's right. And that's where the money is, right? So, so I'm going to hire, if I'm prosecuting you for, for dental malpractice, heaven forbid, uh, I'm going to hire a, um, an expert and he's going to be in the dental field. And he's going to say that, that what you did fell below the standard of care. And then he's going to be able to cite why. It's going to be from his practical experience in the field. It's going to be from other peer-reviewed journal articles in the field. It's going to be from accepted practices by, by, um, by a number of other dentists or, or um, people in the same right. industry. So, so what he's saying is what you did was something less than what a, I forgot the words you used, a, a prudent, careful uh, practitioner would have done right. in the same situation. Right. It's the reasonable dentist standard, I think that's what you're looking for. So you want to be a reasonable dentist at all times. What do you have to do to be a reasonable dentist? And you may, you may answer that better than I, than I do. So we, we've determined that there's no carved in stone standard of care. It can vary from case to case based on which expert witness has the most compelling argument. So l- let me ask you this. If a lecturer gets up in front of the room at a, at a course or a meeting and he says that he considers something to be the standard of care, does that have any meaning? Well, it could. I think the danger is, is that it could because the, because the expert that's giving testimony may say, hey, and here's, here's articles that are or discussions or speeches that have been given to, to dentists, even maybe to this dentist, where he's been told that the standard of care is X. And so, so it's very dangerous for somebody to get up and say, hey, this, loosely say, hey, this is the standard of care and it pertains to the whole industry, right? And the first thing I, as, the, as an attorney, would do would be to cross-examine that expert and say, how much money do you make uh, from the company that you're working for to say that this particular technology is a standard of gotcha, care? Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so, so I've heard you use the term state-of-the-art. How, how does that fit into the conversation, and, and, and what's the relationship between state-of-the-art and standard of care? Right, and I think you know, technology is advancing all the time, right? So you can have state-of-the-art technology that's not necessarily the standard of care. 
Uh, example, one time x-rays were new, right? So you had this new machine called an x-ray. And when you took an x-ray, you, know, you had this newfangled machine that, that uh, nobody else had. And you were operating with the standard of, uh, you know, at the state of the art at that time. Okay. But, but probably had not reached the standard of care in the industry at the time when they first came out. So something that's state of the art might become standard of care, but then again, it might not. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so, and this would pertain to treatment and planning too. So, so let's say a lot of uh, people in the dental profession consider dental implants to be the state of the art method for replacing a missing tooth. But if you decide to do a three unit bridge, that doesn't necessarily make you uh, practicing below the standard of care or make you negligent, right? That's right. I, I would say that's right. I'd ask you, uh, can you still be a reasonable dentist and put in a three-unit bridge rather than, rather than an implant? I think it's a question for you, the expert. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it, it really comes down to an issue of informed consent. So you give the patient all of their options. You let them know what the treatment possibilities are, what are the the uh, benefits and the risks of each individual procedure, and then they can make that decision, and certainly cost of the procedure often figures into to how they might make that decision. Cost, uh, cost is a good consideration. I mean, state of the art in automobiles may be different from time to time, uh, but certainly not every automobile manufacturer, if they don't manufacture something at, at the state of the art, has fallen below the standard of care. Okay, so, so there can be these two different things, right? State of the art, uh, can exist on its own. It might eventually become standard of care, but then again, it, it might not. Um, That's well put. Let's go to, to uh, implant dentistry. And, and a lot of people say, well, uh, you know, we think cone beam is state of the art. Um, you know, is, is there a particular time when a particular piece of information uh, becomes, becomes the standard of care? You know, and I think it's, I think it's risky to, for, a, uh, for a profession to label a technology a, a standard of care. Um, you know, this certainly may be state of art, the art, cone beam, but I'll put the question back to you. Can you practice implant dentistry uh, without uh, using a cone beam? And can you act as a reasonable, prudent dentist without using the cone beam CT? What right. So, so, you know, to me, the standard of care would be that you need to have adequate diagnostic information from which you can derive a, a, a safe and effective treatment plan for your patient. Right. So in some complex cases, that would certainly include having 3D imaging through cone beam. But there might be other situations where that's not needed. For example, there's a very good technique for determining bone width in, in certain parts of the mouth just using calipers and, and, and actually, you know, bone sounding, things like that. So, so yeah, I, I think it, it would be a comfortable uh, concept to say, I need adequate diagnostic information to make a good decision, but we're not going to dictate which technology will provide that for you. I think that's I think that's really well put, and then I would add to that the dentist needs to be educated enough to know what the state of the what the state of the art is and know the education to know when he doesn't know and when he needs like you said sometimes sometimes you may need a referral out to a cone beam right so so you may you need to know when you need to make that referral and you need to know that that technology exists um, to uh, okay. to make that so um I would imagine that a great deal of, of uh, my colleagues out there don't have a friendly lawyer that they can bounce these, this kind of thing <laughs> off you on a, on a daily basis like, like I do. W what advice do you have for them so that they can be aware of the standard of care? Because 
as we said, it's a, it keeps changing. It evolves. It's a moving target. How, how, how do people know what it is? And I, th- and I think the, uh, what we touched on is education, Ed- keeping up with the latest education about, about the newest technologies and about the newest uh, science that involves your craft is a good way to say, hey, I'm on the, I'm on the cutting edge of this. I attended these lectures. I'm, I, know, I know what's going on in that area, enough to make a decision whether, whether I can act as a reasonably prudent dentist in treating the patient in the method that I, that I chose to treat the patient in. Um, uh, ultimately, and this is going to sound funny, but ultimately don't have bad results, right? Because the bad, because you can practice negligently well, all the I time. I appreciate that recommendation. <laughs> we're going to write that one down. That's a recommendation. <laughs> That's a question on the test, everybody. <laughs> right. Right. So, I mean, so ultimately you can practice below the standard of care all the time. If there's no, if there's no damage to the patient, it's never going to get tested whether you were practicing below the standard of care. Okay, good, good so, advice. So if you're <laughs> if you're going to practice below the standard of care, don't have a bad result. Don't have bad don't result. Don't have bad result. <laughs> so Gary, any additional thoughts you'd like to share with our audience? You know, and I think I think you brought up you're sitting in a lecture and you hear somebody say, "Hey, this technology is the standard of care in our industry." You know, uh, and you may be sitting there thinking, "I don't have that technology." Right? What what sh- what should you what should you do? Right? Race out and buy the technology? Um, I mean, I think you should question, and what, what would be questioned in a court of law would be, what are the economic ties of the lecturer to, um, to what's his economic incentive to say that this is the standard of care? That's a good thing to talk about. Another thing is just maybe even remind the lecturer, hey, look, you just indicted an entire profession that if we're not using a cone beam CT that, uh, or, or whatever technology that may be, you know, quote, standard of care, that, right. uh, that, that we're all operating in, in we're all working from a, in negligence, right? We're all, we're all being negligent per se, just because we don't have one of right. those pieces. And, of and, and it really goes back to, to your original point of the, the difference between something that's state-of-the-art and standard of care. And, yes. and that what's, what's the standard of care is that you have the adequate information, that you're able to deliver an adequate treatment to your patient that's based on sound principles. And there's lots of ways to get there and that we should be very, very skeptical when people tell us that some new technology is the, is the standard of care. That's right. Well, well said. Verdict in favor of Dr. Park. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I appreciate <laughs> Thank it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, Gary and Dr. Park. And if you have any questions regarding what you saw on today's show, please write to us at Live at GladwellDental.com. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of Chairside Live. On behalf of everyone here at Glidewell Laboratories, we thank you for watching, and I'll meet you right back here next time.